0: Listening to the Academy Revival podcast. This is Drew, a resident of the Montevilla neighborhood and huge fan of the Academy Theater. I'm here with Doorman. What's up?
1: Hey Drew. Um, today we're going to be doing our July 2023 program review, and we're going to discuss two movies that we actually saw at the Academy, and we saw them both together. Yeah. Sort of. We didn't really plan it that way as much <laughs> but we just happened to both be at those this the screenings and so the the two movies it was killer whale week um and it was uh free Willy from 1993 and orca from 1977 I saw it with you I saw it with um, in a matinee uh, I think maybe it was around four o'clock um, I saw it with my friend and my partner and um, I had seen the movie maybe two or three years ago but I'd never seen it on the big screen was very excited and it really held up it, it you know I, I obviously picked this movie and you know same with Orca because I was a supporter of them but seeing it in the theater it really was an emotional experience. Um, my partner was crying by the end of it. Um, I was, you know, just really. It, it felt beautiful to see this movie that was so representative of Oregon in Oregon, and it, um, you know, really just the pacing of the movie uh, just felt very inviting to a cathartic experience. Watching it, and I'll go through specifically what I liked, but it was just it was a very positive viewing that was really special. Um, And um, you know, I love uh, the music so much by Basil Polidorus. I think the melody, the you know, I just I I can dun 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 dun. It, 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 that at the beginning with the orcas swimming, you know, I could watch that for 10 minutes. You know, it, to me, I love that music. Um, it's very oceanic. It feels like waves going. Um, and, uh, Basil just knocked it out of the park, um, with that opening. Yeah. Uh, it,
0: I mean, it opens with kind of, um, B-roll footage of orcas in, uh, the magic hour in the ocean. Right. And just the, the majesty and the kind of, you immediately are connected and rooting for these these creatures which you know this wasn't our first time seeing it but it was my first time seeing it in a long time so uh, seeing how like how much they're thriving in the open water really sets you up for what's what's to come in the the central tension of the rest of the movie.
1: And and that was another we'll get into this with Orca, but given that I knew what I was going to get into with Orca, it really free Willy kind of just felt like a really brutal setup yeah. for Orca and it really made Orca intensely Im- impactful and and this is my whole Design And pairing this double feature um, was to pull at heartstrings at the same time having a really fun time. And that's, that's, that's a theme for me um, is to be entertained on a very visceral level, while at the same time having some deep emotional content. Uh, yeah. Uh, But, you know, I've broken down the the movie into a few different acts um, here, but some just really standout thing is Michael Madsen is the best foster dad (sighs) of all time. I mean, he has some really great lines and his presence. Uh, You know, I I really think he's a crucial component for me of making this movie work. And he gets a lot more screen time than Ironside, who's another actor that I really resonate with. Um, And I it's you know, I'd love to have more Ironside, but I don't think this movie was really about him. And, um, you know, on the one hand, this is about a boy making friends with the whale. But it's also, you know, the story of a troubled youth trying to find a home and yeah, uh, finding that with Michael Madsen. Um,
0: yeah, it's um, he is like in some ways kind of the the a stoic figure, especially compared to the um, the wife, the the foster mom character who is like welcoming uh, the kid with open arms. Uh, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, of course. Um, so Jesse shows up, and he's got a pretty, you know um, surly attitude. So Madsen's character, so angsty, angsty you're not my dad. You know, so
1: many of those, that's not like a quote, but he has so many really good, you know, I'm just staying here for a while. So many great angsty kid moments that I really loved.
0: Exactly. And he like Madsen doesn't, he kind of treats him like an adult to some degree and, and doesn't just, um, immediately like try to kill him with kindness he like dishes it back dishes it back to him a little bit or you know tries to have him show some respect at the dinner table um tries to teach him a work ethic and you know but then hits all the like checks all the boxes of what you want a foster dad to be like he gets him a baseball and wants to play catch and he um I don't know if he teaches him about working on cars, but he works at a mechanic mechanic shop. And like, he just, there's no hidden darkness really. It's just like he's a little bit um, stoic. Yeah. So the main thing I'll say on an overall note um, on the crying front and just the emotional wallop that this movie packs, like, Uh, That was the big mystery is uh, not having seen this since I was a kid, basically not being kind of like a movie that I rewatch regularly. How effective would it be um, as an adult? And it's just such a, maybe because of the animal component and um, uh, the performances, there's something that definitely elevates this movie above other kind of the emotional impact of this movie uh, from other childhood movies that I love, um, but are, that's more because of their, like, um, uh, Karate Kid or yeah. Gremlins or something, like, which has older characters. Like, those movies work for kids, but they're not nearly yeah. as emotional of an experience and journey as this one. So it was effective on that level. And then it's just a it's a really compelling story i mean i I don't know the boy connecting with this the the misunderstood youth finding um himself and finding connection finding family with (laughs) this majestic creature is uh, a moving a moving story and probably not easy to pull off when you're working with like (laughs) animals and um pretty new actors yeah, and in I don't know. Case.
1: I don't know if this was the case for you, and I, I'm really glad to hear that it resonated with you on a, an emotional level. But it, it just, for me, it seemed like because Free Willy hasn't been canonized, maybe in the way like The Goonies, and the more I was watching it, the more I kept thinking about its relationship to The Goonies, and we'll talk more about that. But it, it just. Because it hasn't been canonized and thrown in your face as maybe Stand By Me or some of these, it's not a traditional um, kids' movie classic. Um, for some reason, it catches me off guard, and I'm able to connect with it in a way where I'm, oh my goodness this this is much this is this is deeper than i was expecting yep. and it, it pulls me into the movie and so maybe that might change maybe free willy will will rise in popularity but it you know we'll get into its availability um and its legacy um but um you know and and i had watched goonies last summer when we played it and i really think that this packs a, a lot more of an emotional punch. I think the Goonies is, is fun and will always be super fun, but I, I don't know. My heart is with Free Willy and the Orca component of it just adds sort of a majesty, yep. uh, uh, you know. And uh, it's it's it really takes me in um, with the music. And, and again, I feel like just if one component was astray, some this this House of Cards might crumble it, it, you know and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit but here um, I broke down the movie into three acts that just seemed to me as the basic sort of places to break the movie sure. down um, so the first act I just call it, it's troubled youth it's really us learning the characters it's troubled orca too um, it's uh, you know him before he really starts making a connection and then the second act is the shorter act it's just the you know him making friends with the whale and really becoming you know its caregiver and them both improving and i saw that part the second act ending with their failed performance and after that they start to sabotage the whale and try to kill it Um, and act three is all about freeing the whale so i you know i really love the first acts, the the highlight of the first act for to me, you know, the cinematography with the orcas at the beginning, yep. but before, I guess, before I go deep into that, um, is that, how does that structure read with you? Does that make sense with your viewing or did it feel different?
0: Yeah. So I think it's, it's really useful to call out that moment with the performance because that's kind of when all, all things are going great for Jesse's new, you know, new life. And he's like, um, gone from doing community service for his vandalism to like finding his calling, training yeah. the whale better than Laurie Petty, the, the whale trainer. Like he, he has a deeper connection with this orca than anyone else and is able to get it to do... Tr- You're like so amped up for him, which if you've seen a movie before, you know that we're uh, for 45 minutes in, something's probably got to go wrong. But I think that's a crucial you know, rise and fall of the, of the story and then, and things escalate from there. So that was definitely kind of like an early emotional climax and, and, um, let when it doesn't go well.
1: Yeah. It really, they did a good job with, they really did a good job with that scene. It that really poor trash like, can though. Oh. He, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> he like goes on a, a, um, pouty hike yeah. nearby and rips like a, a trash can off of, uh, <laughs> look something. what you've done, Jesse. Yeah.
1: yeah. But so, starting with the first act, you know, highlights to me were uh, I'm going to say his name, Robbie Greenberg's cinematography uh with the Orcas at the beginning and Basil Polidoros's score. To me that opening scene is really magical. Um and Robbie Greenberg uh has a pretty good filmography. Another movie he did was uh West Craven's Swamp Thing from 1982 oh, yeah. which I really like. Um and uh maybe we'll play someday. Um and uh and then I really like how quickly, so it sets you up with the pod doing their their cinematography, you know, their their ballet in the ocean with the with the main theme, and then it quickly turns to the poaching. Yep. And you really just, you know, you get the beauty of the orcas, and then just immediately shit is just messed up, shit is going cr- crazy, and and that jarringness of it, and I don't know if you noticed the or, uh, the poachers, but they have uh their their boat is called the Pequod. Um, and that's a that's a reference to Moby Dick. Um, Ahab's boat, uh, boat is called the Pequod, and um, the reason it's called Pequod is it's a reference. It's a foreshadowing destruction. Um, because it's named after the Pequot Indians, um, who are on the East co- co- uh, uh, Coast, who uh, were heavily genocided. So it was a it was a deep symbol Yikes. of darkness yeah. and stuff. And it's uh, you know, um, and we could talk a little bit more about how the Native American culture plays into this. But it's connected to Orca, Orca nineteen seventy seven, and Free Willy. Um, there's there's that element too. Um, and uh, so we. I, I don't know if you, any other. Uh, so then after that, um, we get a lot of Jesse in Portland in Astoria. Yep. And to me, that was a big highlight. And one, you know, everybody leaving the theater when I saw it, um, when I was working and just, uh, pe- reviews I got from people, um, who had seen it at the Academy that week, every single person mentioned seeing, Portland and Astoria and going across Hawthorne Bridge and them being all muddled together right. and it's just a fun thing and it, you really wouldn't if you're not a Portlander or an Oregonian, you know, you wouldn't have that same reaction but it's super fun uh to watch that and I love the Pioneer Square and yes,
0: yeah, so that was all new that was a whole new angle for for me. Um I think like I said when we were previewing it uh, watching the goonies or kindergarten cop or, yeah. or this and just having the connection to the local sites is is really fun and it's not like a negative that they're using the magic of movies to to use a bridge that is like to imply that's the commute to a store to yeah. his to the uh, aquarium like that's yeah. just what movies do but it's just kind of a fun local insight yeah absolutely. to be able to notice that.
1: And I, I don't know if it was the Burnside skate park, but it, it feels really por- It feels really authentic, um, and I love that scene where they're eating the cake that they steal. Yeah. The, you know, it's just like they did a good job of. Um, treating it like a kid's movie where he's you know he's got his bad friend who's you know staying on the streets and you know they're implying there might be some drugs involved and that's kind of uh some subtext subplot of the movie yeah they're um, like
0: getting yeah his his older friend has got a connection to somebody who is probably yeah you know getting kids started young with uh some kind of cd criminal activity yeah
1: so they do a good job i think of just treating it like a kid's movie not going too far into that but also you know trying to paint a, you know definitely a cinematic hollywood picture but of what it was like in the early 90s to you know be a street kid you know it you know it's not trying to be authentic but they do a, a convincing job it doesn't feel cartoony
0: you know. No, it is like an orphan trope like, like you mentioned, but not yeah. again, not really in a bad way. I'm sure there were a lot of orphans living on the street who didn't find cake and have fun yeah. skating around town and escape the police and and yeah and um, work at an aquarium and make this connection. But it is like the movieized version of that for sure.
1: Yeah. And and I like how they are just like immediately graffitiing the aquarium. (laughs) Like they just stumble into an aquarium and just immediately start spraying spray paint. You know, they, they don't really give it a second thought. They just go from fleeing the police and then, Oh, it's time to do graffiti. Uh, It was quite a quick transition. And there's a couple other moments I felt like were really quick and startling, but they didn't take me out of the movie. It was just, uh, it was just notable, you know? Yeah. Um, So, um, you know, and then, so then he starts making friends with, you know, we don't have to go through the whole plot here, but in the first act, the main other thing that happens is he meets Laurie Petty, you know, he meets Michael Madsen. Um, and um, I really, you know, I think both of them do a really great job. Um, and uh, then he starts making friends with this whale, you know, and it's has a great montage in the second act. But, you know, I think the second act is pretty short it, to me. If, you know, it, it's, it's not that notable. It's not that remarkable, remarkable, you know, it, it just consistently rides upon the wave, but I was really impressed with the third act. So the, the, them training for that performance and then having that performance go horribly wrong. You're all, everyone's just, like, fuck.
0: Yeah. I just, ah,
1: oh, I can't believe this is happening, you know? And, um, but the third act really, once they decide, okay, they're going to kill Willie because it's worth more money. And, and Jesse's like, no, we're not. Le- I'm not letting this happen. He's got to go back with his family. Everything is wrong here. And he tries to rally the. the the team, the crew, he tries to rally the troops to get this. And that's to me when everything goes up and this movie really soars from being like, Oh, this is a fun, it's in a story, you know, it's a Portlandy movie. It's about whales. It's got some interesting things going to, Whoa, I'm actually, there's tension in this. I am, in yeah that's a heist let's free yes there's the whale heist absolutely um so that was just my i can talk more about that did you want to say anything about one or act one or two just we... that
0: um yeah, Michael Ironside plays the aquarium owner, right? Oh, he's like a mogul of some sort, maybe he's has like, yeah, other. He's
1: like, it's called Northwest Adventure Park. Yeah. <laughs> which is just, just, I don't know, funny to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he um, is a very kind of uh, one note. Not Again, all these things are like, shorthand in a in a in a well-executed way but like he is an uncomplicated villain that is um all about greed and money and the problem with willie is that i guess he was separated at um from his family at such a young age much like jesse that he yeah. is untrainable, won't, um, isn't bringing in any money for the aquarium. So and just
1: fact checking right there, it's yep. actually that he was captured when he was too old. Oh, and okay. so he's not used to being. And this is a really important point because I'll bring it in later. It's it's it, it's quite sad, but um, it, yes, Willie is not conforming to being in a Sea World performance thing because he was taken from his family when he was way too old and and captivity is not easy for him
0: okay so it would be pretty tragic either way but just emotion (laughs) emotionally um there are these scenes at night where willie is like you know calling out to his family if his family presumably is kind of i mean they're the sounds that the whales make can be heard at very long distances and jesse with his harmonica kind of communicates with willie which is part of their unique bond but I just um i'm all of this is just to say that like the setup for the performance has all this extra weight because that would save willie in the short term but ultimately we know he's in horrible hands and captivity has made his fin you know curl over that's yeah, uh, that's a visual that is <laughs> is very you know blunt in a, in a sad way that you you see he's unhappy and and can't swim so all of the build-up to the heist portion of the movie is done really well in the sense that you know exactly what you're rooting for
1: yeah the you know the pacing of the movie like i I mentioned thing at the very beginning really stuck out to me and the i wrote the editor's name down and it's O. nicholas brown and when i looked him up oh my gosh he is an amazing editor. I didn't know this guy's name, but he has a really great uh, filmography. You should totally check him out and pay attention uh, if you see it in other films. Uh, he did this really great crime movie from the 70s called The Nickel Ride. Um, he also did Tremors, oh, wow. City Slickers, 10 Things I Hate About You. He He's done a lot of different types of movies for decades. Um, and I think he is kind of a secret like basil polidorus he's a secret ingredient to free willie that's under the surface no pun intended <laughs> uh yeah and um that really elevates the movie you know the director simon Winsor, he's doing a good job but i, I looked up his filmography you know, he, he did the phantom with billy zane uh this movie daryl um so he, he's done some movies that might be cult Class, interesting um but nothing that they super jumped out at me i, I definitely want to watch daryl i haven't Daryl's seen it was like
0: the kids movie where AI, someone's a, yeah, yeah
1: ai movie yeah, yeah
0: it's and, d period a period r period l period y yeah i didn't need to spell it all out but
1: yeah i'm just visualizing the poster d-a-r-y-l i think yeah is there not like
0: it's not like an acronym it is an acronym yeah yeah, 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 yeah. periods yeah
1: yep got it yeah and that stands for artificial and you know artificial kid so (laughs) i
0: that is a weird movie that would be interesting to revisit because i remember he was watching it
1: you so you saw it when you were a kid? Yeah,
0: right? I remember watching it and being confused and, and intrigued by it, but maybe didn't understand it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Feels like this isn't Simon Winter's first rodeo when yep. he's making Free Willy. It doesn't feel, you know, it feels like somebody who's made feature films before, um, uh, and it, it feels crafted. Um, and the other thing that was really surprising when I looked up some of the players behind it was the screenplay is by Keith A. Walker. Not a name that jumps out to me. He's Mr. Walsh. He's the dad in the Goonies. Oh, he's an wow. actor. He, he does. He is. He, he has written. He's. This is. He's written this movie. Um, but he's acted in a few movies. But yeah, he and I. When I rewatch the Goonies, his he's seen at the end of the movie where he goes like, "No more signing." <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's got he's got a pretty big moment there at the end, and always stuck out to me. And I was like whoa whoa he he must know something about Oregon you know he's really rooting this and so this is I feel like a lineage now firmly with the Goonies um and to me not it really made it be like okay this isn't competing with the Goonies anymore this is part of our Oregon film heritage and the Goonies is one element and Free Willy is another and I think they both really hold their own in different ways um and, uh, but I, I just, that, that editor, Nicholas O. Oh, Nicholas Brown, I really, he was, he was what really jumped out to me in this viewing. I was on the big screen was just, man, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm clipping along at this great pace and I'm just having a good time. And I, and I'm also really feeling the movie and the, and the screenplay, even though the screenplay is a little bit predictable, I mean, it's sure. a lot predictable. Yeah. Where they're going to free Willie, you know? <laughs> uh, let's do it. And so, yeah. wh- okay, so when they let's, get to the heist, yep. you know, it really goes up a notch. And to me, that, you know, the part. So let's talk about the character of Randolph. You know, Randolph is uh, his uh, Native American friend who teaches him about the history of Orca, both mythologically and practically, because he's helping him, taking care of, train him about how to do it. But, it, you know, it's interesting because. Uh, when we talk about Orca, you know, both of these movies have an an indigenous person giving knowledge at the same time they're juxtaposed with a female scientific uh, uh, character also giving a different type of knowledge. And so Randolph's character is established early on in the movie, but in the third act, he just, to me, he really steals it when, they uh, you know, of course when they find out when Jesse finds out that Willie is about to get, um, mur- you know, basically murdered, uh, definitely murdered, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, uh, uh, by these uh, guys for insurance money, he quickly goes to his friend Randolph and asks him for help. And he's like, Randolph, will you help me? And Randolph just goes, oh, I didn't like this job anyway. And it's just a great, like, okay, we're in a movie. Okay, he's in it. He's just... It was a. It was just a. I was surprised because I, you know, had kind of written off Randolph as being a little bit of an archetype, a stock character. I wasn't expecting him to give me much, uh, entertain. I wasn't expecting him to be a crucial part of the movie, and I was really happy to see him step up a role in it. Um, he has, you know, just a couple other good lines, you know. When um, so basically, you know, they. They try to get the whale on a truck. Yep. (laughs) And that's just amazing. You don't you don't think about, oh, they're freeing Willie. How are they gonna practically do it? And then it dawns on you that they're they're really having to transport a whale Yeah. Which is from an aquarium. (laughs) Which is like an
0: engineering task or like a, a, a task that requires creativity and ingenuity, with you know, when you don't have whatever they normally transport whales in i'm not
1: (laughs) i mean i think they're using an official trailer to carry aquatic animals that's Uh what it looks like and they're stealing it from sea world um but navigating it and using it and are they you know trained and all that stuff it's just the practicality of rescuing Willie dawns on you in this way that is just fantastic and really exciting. And um, there's, there's um,
0: kind of a ticking clock because the aquarium has been intentionally damaged. So the water is, is leaking out. There's no way to fix it. Basically, once it gets to a certain level, they won't even be able to get Willie to swim up to where they need to the harness. To where they are going to be able to lift him out. So that's a really tense scene. Jesse is like diving in to fasten the the straps, and like, and then you learn that when you're transporting a whale, they can be like out of water as long as you keep them wet, which is just kind of for fascinating. A period of time for yeah. so there's another ticking clock yeah. that's like
1: only he's been out. They keep saying he's been out for a really long yeah. time. So there's definitely the, the time bomb yep. element of it um and uh it's also interesting just how they assemble the crew and who does what and where they stop short so it really escalates to when they try to get the trailer down a mountain hillside yeah like and, a service forest road yeah, yeah. and then it fall uh, one of the wheel falls off the you know the side of of the road and they have to figure out how to get it and the only way they're going to get it off is um it with the help of michael madsen and so it's it's interesting how they you know weave in the fact that he has the uh you know the knowledge of being a mechanic and how it's factoring into freeing the whale you know, practically
0: you know what they stole his truck right not the well they were maybe using the yes. aquarium trailer but they stole and his, they steal dad's his truck yeah they yeah. steal the truck because he's got the radio is, so yeah, he can communicate and, with them and Yeah, Yeah. that's another example like what you were describing with these adult characters who at any point could have kind of like um, marginalized Jesse and not enabled him. You know, like they were very good role models at the or, you know, they empowered him at the aquarium, even when he was kind of like, you know, acting out. They they encouraged his interaction with the whale instead of like kept him away from it for safety or something. Um and and Madsen comes to the rescue rather than I mean he's not going to leave him but like he doesn't just come to the rescue he's on board with the the heist he once signs he gets on. there. Yeah. yeah
1: and you know I I really just think that it, it the tension escalates and it the dialogue rises through the occasion to give me just you know, really just a, a great cinematic experience for the last 15 minutes. I, my favorite line of the movie is from Madsen. And it's, you know, when the, he comes and he's like, what the heck you doing with this whale in my truck? And, and what's going on here and everything? And, um, you know, Jesse explains to them they're, they're killing him. They're doing it. They're, they're murdering Willie. We can't let this happen. And Madsen pauses and he thinks about it for like a second. And he just says, there's a 10 foot length of chain behind the seat of my truck <laughs> go get it and it's just that, that to me that just it, it, it was so, it resonates so deeply of that's the solution to the problem here. It's a ten-foot length of chain, and that's how he's selling you that he cares about you. Is he's telling you to go get the train? It's such a, uh, it, it's such a great bonding moment for them. It's such a yep. powerful uh, turning point in the movie. Um, and just before it, Randolph has a hilarious line where they, where they, you know, the the trailer goes off the cli- cliff, the or the wheel goes off the side of the road, and Randolph, you know, pops out. Out of the truck, and he looks at it, and they can't get it to move. And he just goes, oh, "We're really at a low here." <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, yeah, of course we're at a low, Randall." It's just it—it's—it's it's comedic, accidentally. I—I I don't think it's supposed to be as funny as it is, but it's just—it really just elevated the movie to me. Just like this has a lot to offer in different ways, and it's surprising me, and um so yeah.
0: And and meanwhile, Ironside and his like henchmen—he's got like um uh, people he calls in when he needs real dirty work done i mean in addition i mean they uh, i guess it's they're connected to the people that did the the um
1: poaching probably yeah
0: exactly so he calls them in and there's more or less like a chase sequence leading them to the marina to set Willie free and i'm sure we're going to talk about the (laughs) the exciting climax but yeah it's like the the other thing that that um hammers home the time the passage of time is like the sun's coming up like this is i don't know like uh, as a as an adult watching a movie that i could remember as a kid the fact that jesse like started this early in the evening and now the sun's coming up. Like, just imagine like this is the adventure of a lifetime and he's up, you know, infinitely past his bedtime, but it's just like, you know, the sun's coming up. It, it like harkened back to staying up all night as a kid doing nothing, um, not doing a whale heist, but like he's been up all night and now the sun's, the sun's coming up for the last bit of the movie.
1: Yeah. And the, you know, whole sequence in the third act of transporting Willie just has so many great, I guess, uh, automotive, dramatic action beats. Um, that I don't know if it was Simon Winsor, but somebody really took the time to make this a thoughtful, you know, they have that scene where they punch it through the gate, yep. which is super. I mean, people were you're cheering, woo, kid, you know, it's just, it was a really energetic, um, trip you know and 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 how he backs up the trailer so aggressively into the water to get him in there this is when Um, willie
0: is like seconds away you know from expiring is what we what we feel because he's been out of the water too long he's got to get him in the water and then the weight of a whale on the back of a trailer instead of a boat (laughs) uh, submerges the vehicle basically so he has to madsen has to sacrifice his truck yeah. to save the whale yeah, as well, great, yeah, whether he knew moment. that was going to happen or not. When he opens <laughs> he the door care. and there's yeah. all the water. And he's like, God, ugh. yeah. Just, he's he not cared happy. a little bit. Yeah, but it was a great, <laughs> really, really good reaction from him. Yeah, he's
1: yeah. But I, I mean, the movie, through all those beats, the movie that just screamed at me you know uh was sorcerer i i really felt that same tension you know and when they're transporting the truck of nitroglycerin the second half of sorcerer you get this really tense element with the with the truck and i think that that's handled a lot better than in free Willy. that to me sorcerer is one of you know my favorite movies of all time and i'm not trying to say that free willie did it as good but i got those vibes. And I love those vibes. Those, I, I love that tension and I love that transportation. And that was surprising, you know, that we're getting this in this sort of, you know, in this, uh, family movie. Um, it just, it really didn't need to, uh, it could have just whimpered out in the last 20 minutes and been as predictable as we were thinking. But just the fact that it was so thoughtfully rendered, um, for that execution, I, I think it really just kind of, it packs a punch, um, yeah. yeah. Well, d- does does he make it? Does it? <laughs> yeah, no. and and then he and then after they get him in the water, then he's got to jump over yep. the rocks and the poachers the nets, and you're like, oh my god! And you know, Ironside has the great great lines. Oh man, I hate that whale! You know, and it's, again, it just could have been so weird with anybody else, or just so whatever. Um, but Ironside, just you know, he only needs to have like four lines in this movie, but it's just like because it's Ironside, I just love it. You know, yep.
0: I just. Um, they, well, the, the, so the last time we've seen Jesse, you know, trying to work with Willie, I guess they, I don't, I don't know if they had some moments post, um, performance.
1: Yeah. I don't think really. Yeah. yeah
0: so, I mean, like basically this is the performance they've been training for, yeah. like where, when it counts way more than to rake in some extra, you know, uh, concession sales for the, <laughs> for the adventure park, like Jesse has to. You know, I don't know if it was a smart idea for him to add an extra um like um five feet to the jump by standing under where (laughs) Willie is (laughs) gonna gonna jump. But he stands on the rock wall because the poachers have come out and put nets where he could where Willie could just like swim away from. So the only escape from the the marina is to jump over the rock wall and you know for dramatic effect jump over jesse at the same time and you know we all know we all know how that goes but that doesn't at all take away from kind of the visceral thrilling impact of that jump and i don't know if you can describe it or you know the water streaming off willie's belly and to jesse and the yeah. exuberance i it's it's almost indescribable
1: yeah and they did a they do a really good job of setting it up showing you how big of i mean to me I, I i guess when i was watching it this time i was like dang that's a that's a really big jump like that seems impossible there's no way he can do it and you know i just had like a flash in my mind of he really not making it <laughs> and right. like I know he was gonna make it but just how how sad would it have been if he didn't and just how terrible and just you know it was just a really big jump and uh he makes it and they you know that like, I think that you're right that has that special moment where he's flying on top of him and it has the water and that's that's really cool um and you know and then right after you know, we get the Michael Jackson song you know great credit I you know I, I really like the song um and this time to me, the ending was a little bittersweet just because I knew he was reunited or the whale was reunited and then we were about to go into Orca, you know, and I didn't watch Orca right after, but it just, uh, the fact that I know a little more now about Michael Jackson and there's sure. some weird stuff with Michael Jackson that we know about, the fact that he's in a kid's movie, it's just, it is kind of weird and... Um, and then the fact that this is segueing, you know, to me into, because I have expectations of Orca and I guess, um, did you, because you hadn't seen Orca, did this song, you know, were you just listening? Uh, did it have any re- notable? Not
0: really. I would say it ends on such an
1: emotional
0: high because yeah. this was like the, best way for Jesse to bond with his new family. So we can presume that he's going to, I guess the bittersweet component is he's probably never going to see Willie again. So Willie's reunited with his, his family yeah. as far as we can tell. And so we see them swim off into the sunset and we see Jesse, you know, kind of almost collapse in exhaustion after the night that he's had and go home with his new family. Um, but I if you think of this movie like you're describing as um, a double feature and lead in to uh, Orca, the in hindsight now that I've seen both, the, the it's extended tension that you can really put yourself through if you're like riding that emotional high to go into some of the places that Orca goes from from here is intense. Um, but no I for me it was it was pretty. It was kind of like a huge sigh of relief and happily ever after moment yeah. aside from, you yeah. know, all the uh, awkwardness that I'm sure Jesse's going to go through as a teen post,
1: <laughs> post-Willie. post And I really think it's a good Michael Jackson song. There's, there's one moment in particular that whenever I hear this song that just really sticks out to me, and it's it's just the word yeah. Specifically, there's one yeah that I just feel like, you know, is so Michael Jackson and it's so well-timed and it's so rooted in gospel tradition and stuff. It just really, it's, uh, it's a master stroke. Um, and you know, and the, the way that the, uh, song is structured, it's like a gospel call and response song that's rising and, uh, transposing in key through and, and just keeps increasing and going and going further and stuff. And, um, as you're rising, the callbacks between the choir and Michael get more and more intense, and he gives more just crazy little Michael Jackson, ooh, and ah, yep. and stuff. And there's just one, and I can't like give you a specific time or really do it any justice if I tried to do it, but there's just one, yeah, that he does with an extra pause on it that just I just felt like, ah, oh, man, you really, hell yeah, Michael, <laughs> just great, great, great composition.
0: Just, I mean, I'm definitely going to go back and listen and, and send you uh, a timestamp if I can figure out the yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll include some of it here.
1: It's, and it's obvious yeah. there's you know he says yeah um, yeah. Um, like, <laughs> that wasn't bad. That, yeah, <laughs> he says it several times, and then there's one where he adds an extra rest in there, and it makes it jump out, and it's just it's great. And if you can watch the music video with him dancing. It's really fun. Um, So yeah. uh, Unless you have anything, I'm going to wrap it up with the box office. Sure. Let's let's go into it. So Free Willy came out in 1993, did really well at the box office, was a smash hit and was immediately made widely available on VHS and Laserdisc. I have the Laserdisc. It's fun. That's the format I want it in and I don't need anything. And There wasn't really a DVD and it's become a lot harder to see this movie um, because there is a Blu-ray and it was made in 2015. It's going for $200 on eBay. It is super out of print. This movie is not uh, translating to the next generation in an easy way. It, it possibly, uh, could be streaming. Um, but it's, it's really, uh, it, it's in need of a reprint, by, from Warner Bros, it could get a 4k, but it doesn't really need, it's not a movie that screams of 4k. It would look really good, especially the cinematography, Robbie Greenberg again, uh, with that ocean, uh, oceanic, you know, uh, choreography it, it, with the orcas at the beginning and end is, is really special. And I would, I would love to see that, but the DCP looked really good. Yeah. Um, Great job, Warner Bros. Um, and, um, you know, it, so the other part of the box office story um, is just that uh, it has to do with Kiko. And I don't know, did you look up any of the stuff with Kiko? I did not, no. So it's it's a, it's sad, and I don't want to sound incredibly offensive, Uh, authoritative on this there's a documentary about it um and wikipedia only gives you so much information in the in online so i haven't watched the documentary but basically the gist here and i really feel like i should mention this as somebody who picked the movie and just to be faithful to these animals just to to mention this um is uh that the orca kiko um was uh Sort of basically, this movie was so successful that millions and millions of dollars were just sent to the producers of the film, just from kids saying, Free Willie. The kids demanded that Willie be freed. And unlike Willie, who was taken from his family at an old age and having a difficulty adjusting, Kiko, who played Willie, was. Taken from, cap- uh, taken from the wild at a very early age and was very used to captivity. And um, right. it wasn't in... Uh, Kiko didn't have great living standards before um, Free Willy, and it, uh, Kiko was transported to uh, the Oregon um, Aquarium at Seaside afterwards and given a much better living conditions afterwards. But there was a campaign that was started um, to free Kiko, um, and reintroduce Kiko into the wild that is pretty clearly of uh, very misguided intent. And it's pretty sad because basically over the course of 10 years, um, they train and prepare Kiko to be reintroduced into the wild. And um, they fly, uh, flew Kiko to, uh, I think it was Iceland or Greenland. I think it was Iceland, Iceland. Um, to try to reintroduce Kiko to orca pods. And again and again, Kiko just did not adjust and take to uh, orcas and um, kept coming back to humans for um, uh, contact and, uh, and affection. And there's like a story on Wikipedia. It's like heartbreaking of them just like doing tricks and performing with kids on the shore at beaches and stuff. And the basically... Um, because of how much money was generated, they just kept forcing Kiko to be uh, reintroduced into the wild and Kiko eventually got pneumonia and passed away. So it's okay. Well now it's bittersweet. Um. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah. heartbreaking, pretty sad. And I don't want to say that that's exactly what happened. I think that I, I'm hoping that there were a lot of good people who were really caring for Kiko all along the way. And that Kiko got the best life that they had. And, I, from what I understand, they were fairly old by the time this happened and it wasn't like they were, um, uh, uh, tortured or any, uh, you know, in, in at a very young age and, and were, uh, totally, uh, par- passed away prematurely. So I think that's a really, uh, important part of the story, but I do think that it is a sad element of the Free willie story. Yeah. Um, and, uh, something that we should, you know, that should teach us about how we, um, respect these animals in the future, you know, I,
0: I, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, there is obviously a a certain uh, sad irony of a movie like this, which is drawing attention in this case, like very specific laser focused attention on one whale. But when there is more of a systematic issue and there's been, you know, many different eras of the treatment of, of animals in cinema, um, hopefully that's been steadily improving, but, um, there was that documentary Blackfish, right? Which yeah. you know maybe uh, movies like Free Willy could inspire people to examine the way animals are treated in captivity. There you know have been lots of documentaries about um, about you know zoo life and, and life in captivity that, that do make people second guess. These, um, <laughs> these recreational activities that um, have um, unwilling participants. But to your point, it is something that most people are pretty aware of um, and just in the abstract sense that animals that are taken out of their natural habitat at a young age are ill-equipped to be reintroduced to the wild or it takes a lot of effort in the whale's case. Like in some cases, it might just... They might fall prey to other animals, mm-hmm. or in in a like very sophisticated animal sense, um, a super intelligent animal like an orca. They don't have the social skills. They're, all their social skills were developed for humans, and that's the best life for an animal that was forced into that type of existence by humans in the first place, a little bit of a self-reinforcing system, but it opens up a very
1: interesting conversation that's being generated by this movie. Exactly, And that is, you know, it shows the power of film. And I, and I, and I hope that people aren't, uh, short-sighted enough to just see this as a movie that generated a um, some negative things I think it hopefully you can see that this gave attention to a situation there already were sea worlds and northwest adventure parks before this movie and um, and whether they were doing things that um, were humane or um, just for these animals you know remains to be seen and you're not going to be able to um help these animals in any way if we don't have a discussion about them so i you know i think that in some ways i hope that free willy has generated positive things like that documentary yeah. and-, and that was was that about
0: dolphins or whales um now that i think about it i believe it was dolphins yeah so like i'm guessing um you know uninformed it's here but it seemed like whales were never <laughs> were much harder to um, integrate into captivity in the first place, and obviously they're huge. So yeah. dolphins were always kind of like human friendly, and so anyway, the, the whale population in captivity might have been much smaller. And that documentary brought attention to another hyper intelligent um, animal that that was being was very popular to put into captivity so um yeah it's a provocative discussion i totally agree with i think our mission statement with all these old movies is um they're time capsules and they represent you know problematic or just ever-changing shifting um views of the of the time gender norms sexuality politics with switchblade sister like all of that stuff is um really fascinating to evaluate from a modern lens and you can sometimes trace the impact from it. Sometimes it's much more convoluted, you know, where, uh, what impact it had or did it reinforce stereotypes or whatever. But I, it's important to um, revisit where we were at in culture so you can see kind of um, change over time.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, also to generate discussions based on elements that might not have been discussed, you know, and, and, um, you know, I think that it's kind of beautiful that there's, um, a movie that's like free Willy that had, you know, is kind of on a superficial level is really a kid's movie that, um, you know, uh, is, is an entertaining movie, but at the same time, it's getting down to a, a, deep part of our society, you know, and a cultural part of our society that, that, that needs to be discussed. So, on that note, uh, we'll transition to our next movie. Okay. We got Orca from 1977. This is a Paramount film. Uh it's my first time seeing it on the big screen. And I will confess, I did watch it twice, two days in a row. Nice. Um, very, very different crowd reactions with each one. Um, and I'm totally going to get into it in my feelings. But why don't you lead off? Because you've never seen this movie. This was, you know, we had talked about it and stuff. And we watched it together.
0: Yep. So I, but I was, but I was at screening number two for you, correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. So this is a, the next day after Free Willy. I went back to Academy and saw this, and um, was pleasantly surprised to see you in the in the theater. <laughs> and the, I guess I just had this expectation in my head that it would be a Jaws ripoff in the sense that it would be. Um, treating the orca as a monster but it was much more complicated much more um almost flipping things around to where the human i mean it's not surprising in hindsight it's it's a perfect pairing with with free willy where it starts similarly where you see the the orcas swimming you get this does it not
1: No, it does. I was just going to interrupt and say it starts with lush cinematography of orcas dancing in a wondrous ballet through the ocean of Canada. And it is amazing with Ennio Morricone, and I love it. And to me, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you finish, but in comparison to the Free Willy Ballet uh, earlier, Mm. This one just, this is how you do it. This, to me, this was one of the highlights of the movie is the very beginning with the black orca sound, black screen and the orca sounds, and then transitioning into Ennio Morricone's theme. Um, I'll get into it more, yeah. but I just wanted to say that, wow, what an opening for me. Absol-
0: I, absolutely. absolutely. So I was underselling it, but um, just wanting to point out that especially riding high from the free willy expedition you're like i was going into this thinking there would just be like a killer orca on the loose attacking people and absolutely right from the opening um sequence you are um you're basically falling in love again with the orca you know lifestyle and the orcas um kind of their freedom their majesty their beauty and um, what this movie ultimately descends into, I thought was so fascinating. The emotional journey mm-hmm. that the main, um, the main fisherman who kind of no, just yeah, Nolan yeah like arbitrarily decides like he's gonna hunt orcas because it's a challenge, but then right. his like descent into madness and into the ice, the icebergs and everything is like a very compelling journey but they're not sympathetic human characters you're much the way the we the human and the whale feed off each other in a way that everyone it's this is a tragedy i mean yeah and i wasn't really prepared for how the emotional impact um different than free willy which i was i was prepared for but ends on a high note this was an emotional like um odyssey from a trauma, you know, from a tragedy standpoint, where the worst aspects of man come out in the orca because of some horrific actions um, done upon the orca's family, <laughs> um, and then it turns in sort of into a revenge movie, but a very sympathetic revenge movie because not only have we encroached on their land, we've like the orca has a very human reaction to what the scene that you teased but I had no awareness of the shocking scene that was coming later so we'll talk about that in a minute but um, it, it was an emotionally emotional roller coaster that I wasn't prepared for but in a in the best possible way
1: yeah the movie I mean just across the board from other uh, people's reactions it catches everybody off guard this movie it, you come in with the intention you, you know it's a Jaws ripoff. Everybody just knows. You can feel that it's a Jaws ripoff. But it operates just like every good ripoff should, where on the surface you think it's a ripoff of movie A, but really it's impregnated with movie B. And so you come in, you're thinking you're getting a Star Wars ripoff. Well, really, you're getting Mad Max. Really, right. you're getting good, the bad, the ugly. It's it's a blender ripoff is one term for it. But usually I reserve that term for movies that are combining really just three or four movies into one. So it, to me, this is, is not as, as much of a pure blender ripoff, but really just what I think good ripoffs should do, which is set you up with an expectation for you're ripping off one movie, but then you rip off another one secretly. Right. Um, And so, but my gut reaction was just, uh, this movie is fucking incredible. (laughs) I, I love this movie and it operates at so many different levels. Um, and I was so excited to see it multiple times in a row. I don't do this with every movie I play. This was a special one. Um, and I saw free Willy and Orca back to back with some friends Um, and the, when I got to the Orca screening, I think it was Saturday, seven o'clock, the crowd was having a party and they were not going to let the, um, tragic, harrowing nature of this movie stop them. They were just going to have a good time and they did and it was good and they, were caught off guard. It wasn't what they expected to, but it didn't let them stopping. They were having fun, and it showed me a different side to Orca that I didn't really encounter, and I had a really great time watching it with that crowd. But it made me want to rewatch it for a second time because I had picked this movie after watching it alone in my house and having an intense emotional experience. And I wanted to have uh, an experience again with A different crowd and that's not to say that i didn't value that initial experience it was eye opening and fun i had a great time and i think that's part of the coolness of this movie is that it's a ripoff and it's fun but at the same time it is a deep harrowing tragedy that takes me to places that i very rarely get um into movies and so that's my just overall gut reaction. Again, I broke down this movie into acts just like Three Willy just because it seemed so obvious and easy. And maybe we'll keep doing this um, with different reviews, but this one just really screamed for it. And I'll just throw out my structure for you and see okay. how it... But I think it's pretty clear that the first act is the exposition through the incident. And this, this movie... It, I call the movies with The Scene for lack of a better words, but I put in this Camp Deliverance. I put in this Camp Blue Velvet which we're kind of uh watch later this month. There uh, might be
0: some and there might be some debate even about The Scene for Blue Velvet. There everyone I think immediately knows what you're talking about with Deliverance, but I'll actually be curious to have the the scene discussion Absolutely. with Blue Velvet. Absolutely, there's just um, a couple of the scenes for me. I guess is my point. Totally. <laughs>
1: um, and uh, but for me, the, what I mean by the scenes is everything is in in the movie is in is in lead up to it and in reference after it. Uh, the Funhouse by Toby Hooper is another one of these movies where the the whole movie hinges upon it and afterwards we're getting the consequences the dominoes are falling and usually it's really intense that scene and shocking and uh for some people could be a triggering or traumatic thing there's there's no doubt that this movie isn't for the faint of hearted in certain ways but we're on the animal side 110 percent. this movie is all about seeing an animal get revenge on a on a ignorant human right and the humans and the animals are all archetypal characters in this movie they are stock characters from eco-horror movies and that is not a detriment at all they are still really well written archetypes that are nuanced and richard harris the lead who plays nolan is famous for saying that he thinks that the characters in orca are deeper than the characters in jaws but these archetypes definitely origi- originated in Jaws for this specific kind of animal attack horror movie. And it's, de- it's debatable to me whether I really think this is a horror movie. Um, I think that horror is a really big spectrum and this is on that spectrum. But I always categorize horror movies are October movies. And I really don't think uh, Orca is October movie for me personally. Well,
0: you, then you probably wouldn't even include Jaws. Which that's a debate that people have
1: exactly, yeah. um, and I rewatched some of Jaws for this podcast, and I really thought it was a lot more horrifying. It's really paced like a horror. movie. Well, because
0: the shark is a mo- is a yep. black and white monster, yep. and you know people were in, in hindsight, and he's stalking, were, and slashing. Yeah, yep. it, it made people afraid to go in the water, famously, and in it, yep. it, this the shark in the first one before we get to the crazy sequels has no motivation. Right, So we'll talk about, yeah, obviously the orca's motivation so here. So exposition
1: <laughs> is, through that incident is the first act. And then the second act, we get the whale wreaking havoc. There's a sequence in which the orca um, escalates its reign of terror upon this town. Um, and then that leads to the third act, which is on the boat. And that's basically the showdown. That's yep. what happened. Um, and so how does that structure... That seems pretty basic, right? It's not...
0: Yes. I mean, this one even seems maybe more clear-cut than, than yeah. Free Willy Absolutely. In, that, in that respect. And
1: yeah. I have... So the movie um is based uncredited which i i didn't just find out about this till i uh, was listening to the commentary on the blu-ray it's an uncredited adaptation of a book by arthur herzog who also wrote um <laughs> this movie uh, this book called the swarm that was also turned into an animal's attack movie but uh yeah i'm definitely gonna hunt down the book no relation we, to
0: Werner. I believe not because that's the emotion. That's the the journey. I mean, especially the yeah. third act of this movie. That's yeah. what it reminded me of. A Gary, or, or specifically, or yeah, or oh, F- Fitzgeraldo or, yeah. or something. No, be a
1: Gary on the boat. That's yeah. a fascinating connection. I totally did not. But yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> just kind of the mental breakdown of of Nolan's character and his um, yeah, his emotional descent. This that feels like the the state that hog characters <laughs> yeah. often live in so so yeah that's but that's just a coincidence it sounds like
1: right and so it was adapted with a screenplay by the producer luciano vincenzioni um and sorry if i butcher all the italian again sorry guys <laughs> it's I don't gonna, speak gonna italian. be easier than last week um who <laughs> or last time. uh was a producer also screenwriter Did the good the bad the ugly also, Sergio Donati, Once Upon a Time in the West, big gun down. So we've got Dino De Laurentiis calling this, calling this guy up and, and getting him to find him another shark, a better shark than Jobs, and um, getting, basically, Sergio Leone's Western crew to come down and write him a killer screenplay adaptation. Um, and I have a really interesting quote from Sergio Donati about how he thinks about uh writing so here's the quote from donati it's what is film in the first act you hang a man up in a tree in the second act you throw stones at him in the third act he falls down if he'll if he is alive it is a comedy if he is dead it is a tragedy wow so it's interesting because in this movie if you just if you just put that over this structure, you know, hanging him up in the tree, that's the incident. Um, and then the second act throwing stones, that's wreaking the havoc. And then the third act on the boat is Nolan getting murdered by the, you know, by the orca. Yep. Um, so it's interesting how he's kind of taking this this stock structure, which very feels very Westerny. And that's that's my general reading of the movie. You know, I talked about how it's a rip-off movie and it does what all good rip-offs movies do, um, is that what Dino is doing is taking Jaws and then shoving Death Wish in it, which is his hit from 1974, and creating a revenge movie that's super unique that's based on an animal. And that's one reading of the movie, but it to me, it clearly having the incident be so up in front and center in the movie. So early in the movie is very death wish. Like that to me is a sig. It's a, it's a signature signature characteristic of revenge movies that has spawned from, uh, death wish and um, there's a traumatic incident often involving family members um, that happens at the very beginning of the movie that is the impetus for the rest of the revenge
0: right and I mean there's a million examples but a m- movie that is a mashup of um, a blender it's not yeah. really a blender ripoff it doesn't people don't disparage it that way but the incident for Kill Bill yeah. <laughs> Tarantino totally. is inspired by all, all those things it's a revenge yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Pure and simple. And so, um, in addition to it, uh, being, you know, related to death wish, let's just put 1977. So this movie comes out in 1977 and it's made in 1976. So just talking about 1976 for Dino, that's the year of King Kong. So King Kong 1976 comes out with Jeff Bridges and was a colossal smash. It was the movie that really rode on Jaws waves. And you can see that he is not letting that go. And he is trying to make Orca even more sympathetic towards the Orca than King Kong is. He's seeing that that's the ecological message that really connected with King Kong. Because that's, that's what King Kong the remake is. is it's, it's the 1970s environmentalist spin on the 30s movie. And that resonated with people so much that Dino is trying to infuse that into a movie that is much more aquatic, much more blatantly related to Jaws. Right. Um, And so there's really, so it's Jaws and King Kong and Death Wish that are really coming together in Dino's just sort of producer mind that's generating this super unique. Revenge movie that is very different than all of the other animal attack movies, or most of them. I don't want to say all. I've seen all of them, but that come and the wave after Jaws. Um, and there are some really unique ones that are different than Orca. It's not to say that it stands alone, and they're all the other the rest are similar. I lo- I really like this genre, but I think it can go. And I said this. Um, we did the preview. I think it can go toe-to-toe with Alligator as being one of the... I did watch, by the way. Yeah, it was one of the best. And don't talk about it because we might be talking about (laughs) it in a different episode. No spoilers. Fair enough. So anyway, um, what's it called? That aside, I think it can go toe-to-toe as being one of the best. Um, And I really think that it is the cast. But So let's just go through the exposition to the incident starts off with the beautiful cinematography and Ennio Morricone's luscious score. And to me, this is one of his best melodies. Um, and it's, it, it has a melody that comes later, but really just specifically real quick, we're getting this three note motif that is echoed again and again. And it is just so beautiful just it sucks you down and it shows you that this movie is uh about pulling you into your emotions um and it's you know i just watched Jaws. it is much better than john williams score i mean it is much less corny and this is ennio morricone just really at the top of his game pulling out a score for the ages
0: i mean jaws uh the more we talk about this jaws is halloween I mean, it's just the the epitome of like pure evil. He has no motivation or, I mean, Michael Myers has more backstory than Jaws, but they are like, they're scary because they don't have motivation. Correct. It's, whereas this, that score starts immediately giving you an emotional connection to what you're seeing on screen, which is the, the beauty of the orcas. So you're rooting for them. Even before you know their motivation, I mean, so right. they're the hero of the movie, and um,
1: and they get a, sh- a ton of screen time. Yeah. that's an interesting part as a lot uh, and is a huge factor in all of these animal attack movies is how much do they show? The creature the monster how much they show the animal and dino made it a big point of we're showing the orca orca is a character orca is gonna have it you know we see all those scenes of its eye and staring at nolan and everything it's it's a it's a big draw in it and i really like that just uh, just from a cinematic thing is i've seen so much of the don't show me, you know, just tease me ambiguity stuff. I, I like it. It can be done well, but I get kind of picky when I know that the, the director is going that route. That's just my personal taste when it's all upfront and everything. I feel like, Oh, they're trying to tell me a real story with nuance and everything. But anyway, that aside. So after we get the great, the, you know, awesome intro with uh, the NEO, um, we go right into the, Jaws scene is what I like to call it and this is kind of a controversial scene among people talking about it we chatted a little bit about it after the movie it sets an interesting tone for the movie and it really deals with whether this is a Jaws rip off or whatever because what we got is pretty much the orca coming and kicking the shark's oh, right. ass I almost yeah.
0: forgot because it's so out of tone with yeah. the rest of the movie it
1: definitely feels like Laurentis being like first scene is my shark or whale kicking the shark's butt.
0: Honestly, it's, I mean, it's been a minute since we, we watched it, but you go on such a harrowing as, as you've been saying journey throughout. And we did talk about that right after, because it's a laugh line. It's like your last exhale before the traumatic experience you're about to have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is very on the nose in terms of, of its, I think it's actually, it's it's effective in the same way that horror movies give you the opportunity to exhale and laugh when you're sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time. This is a funny moment. I don't think it really plays. It does, it does rile up the audience in the way you were describing yep. and maybe kind of prime them to laugh at a lot of things they might not laugh at otherwise. Yep. But- uh, it's it's an interesting funny choice <laughs>
1: and I, I think that that's that's an interesting way to put it that i hadn't as an exhale moment as a as a pause as opposed to just having sort of straight straight harrowing sort of emotional heartstrings the whole time because i was i so i rewatched um, uh, michael anderson's movie right before he's the director um right before it, logan's run um, and that came out in 1976 and was a huge, colossal hit. So Dino's just being like, oh, who's hot right now? Oh, shit, you just did Logan's Run? Come here, do this. And when I watched Logan's Run, ooh, man, that's got all tons of problems. And, uh, you know, and I'd seen it a long time ago, but it, it's it definitely feels like, uh, you know, Try You know, one review I saw that on Letterboxd was, you know, I remember I could imagine myself being a kid and seeing it and thinking this was the best sci-fi will ever be. And then a year later, Star Wars comes out and blows it out of the water. So I really think Logan's Run has a lot of problems to it. It's really long, the pacing. But I think there's some director choices. So I haven't seen enough of Michael Anderson's work to make a judgment on him. But I'm glad that you kind of pointed out that this could be a, a structural comedic maybe but just a uh exhale breather moment for um the audience and that to me seems like a a positive way to look at it because for me i felt like this is kind of michael anderson sort of being forced to do something by dino and kind of being like well i don't really care about this movie i'm so hot i'm just gonna do it and then i'll start my movie you know and i and so i don't have i don't know how much faith and 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 that's where I kind of sit on this movie in whole is it's I like this movie a lot, a lot, a lot. There's a couple issues I have of it, and I'm not sure if Michael Anderson was strong enough to give it to its maximum potential in directing. But I go back and forth, and I think that maybe he really brought all these elements together, and this is his baby. And sometimes the films are so complicated that sometimes the the formula works, and sometimes it doesn't. And there's so many variables that it's out of your control at a certain point, and you just have to try your best. Yeah, Um, one of those
0: variables is a... production on water with working with animals and right. you know some combination of animals and animatronics and in, styrofoam and in then.
1: canada so there's interestingly there's two units that are filming here there's the SeaWorld la unit that's filming orcas and then there's the crew in newfoundland newfoundland um in canada filming all the scenes there and using um, a lot of dummies, a lot of fake orcas that look really good. They do. Yeah. Everyone remarks upon how great the orca work is in orca. And uh, it really is pretty dang good. Um, and some people say even better than Jaws. But I'm going to try to make sure this podcast isn't just about who's better, Jaws or Orca. Sure, they're, they're really just the sp- different.
0: I mean, they're not even yeah. really comparable And in, but they're in, in related. hindsight.
1: Yeah, they're related and... Um, uh, they're very different, um, and it's worth bringing up Jaws, but I am i don't want to make this a... Just like with Willie and the Goonies, it's not a battle, but I really think that they're important to bring up in this. So, you know, after that, we get into... And we're not going to go through every single scene, but I think this exposition is really tight, this first act. really good, and I just want to go through the main scenes. And then we get Rampling, Charlotte Rampling's science intro. And, ah, oh, man, sh- so, again bringing up Jaws is she is the Richard Dreyfus character. She is the scientist um, giving us scientific knowledge of the orca and the knowledge she get brings us is amazing. I mean, uh, the way she talks about their language and communication with the sonar and stuff, that's just really cool. There aren't a lot of animals that do that. It's just awesome. And um, the way she delivers it is really, I mean, she's just such, I mean, She, she, her. Some of her, and this is just my reading. We can talk about your, but I, I think Charlotte Rampling's character gives the voiceover. She's really the glue, kind of holding this movie together. So it's not just Nolan, Nolan, Nolan all the time. Um, And uh, she has. Depth to her character But she's definitely the archetype Of the scientist giving us factual information And I love that intro scene I think that might be one of her best scenes Is just um, when she gives her little lecture In school about the orcas And the whole crowd When I saw it the first time When she said the word retarded at the end (laughs) Just totally erupted It was such a great moment And I hadn't really had that before But it, it really stung It was really a stinging great moment
0: yeah so i learned i mean it's nice in movies where when these science exposition dumps actually teach you something you know like and it serves um an educational purpose for me and also a thematic purpose of orcas are born uh visually very similar to human infants like they have fingers that turn later into fins and um they talk about the size or the the like complexity of of their brains and then like you said you see all these shots throughout the film of orcas close ups of eyes sometimes reflecting the human subject that they're looking at yeah. but you already know from that lecture that like they can remember people and faces and and you know i don't know if any of it's exaggerated or at least exaggerated in the sense of making it too Similar to human perception, right. but that's fine. It it definitely served a, a practical purpose of making me, um, really uh, impressed and appreciate these these majestic creatures that uh, before I was just kind of looking at their natural beauty and, and wonder.
1: And the dialogue, the way she, their exemplary as parents, yes, and and orca Kenis. Latin for the bringer of death. You know, she, uh, the, the way that she's giving me this lecture, I mean, it's, I just, I mean, I, I got, I, if there was a, prof- if she could be a professor at a school, I would enroll. Sure. You know, <laughs> she is great. I love the way that she delivers that scene and it primes us up for, the warning scene which is what I am calling the next scene so we got we got kind of the ballet scene um, then after that we go into the Jaws scene and then we go into the science scene the lecture and then we get the warning scene where she's like don't go hunting these things Uh, you don't know what the heck you're doing these are important creatures don't be playing with fire you're gonna get burned and you know Nolan he, he and his character is so not one dimensional and so archetypal and stereotypical at the same time that is just super impressive, you know, because he doesn't know what words like uh, I think it's monogamy, you know, is one, <laughs> you know, just his. Uh, he's, he's That's he's, a convenient word for him to forget. Right. And uh, <laughs> it, and uh, he's, a ca- you know, Irish Catholic, you know, he's got all of, he's just checking every plebeian box you can in a really predictable way. But there's so much more going on with his character and um, how Richard Harris delivers the lines that, you know, when the warning and stuff, you know, he's just, he's seeing them interact together is cool, is special, you know. it, It feels just like Robert Shaw and Roy Schneider and Richard Dreyfus their chemistry. You know, there's a special chemistry between... Um, Rampling and Richard Harris that I just I just thought was was just cool to see together, you know.
0: It's a, a little bit of it is contrived because we know that there's going to be somewhat of a Some of a romance subplot, oh, yes. and, but she explains it nicely i think i'm I'm satisfied with the movie's explanation that she's like well or or maybe i've just been in a tent too long i think she even does it in voiceover where she's like am i becoming attracted to this this even attracted? yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but or maybe i've just been sleeping alone in a tent for too long out here in the wilderness and
1: i I just kind of like that um she's not tied to being super realistic. She's a, she's a movie character and she's almost aware of it in a weird way. Um, And it's on the surface trying to be very realistic, but I don't, it makes me feel like I'm watching a movie. And for some reason that just opens my mind up to more symbolic interpretations of what's going on. Yeah. It's the
0: slightest bit surreal. Like we're describing not Lynch surreal, but these there's a awareness or, you know, of a slight knowingness.
1: He's so dumb that she just can't help but like yeah. him. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, the smartest lady in the world likes this idiot. But, but it's it, great. It, and yeah, he's so the, he no. has a charm to him that, you know, in that first Jaws sh- scene, he has some good lines where he's like, we haven't even seen a great white flounder. You know, <laughs> that was, that was a terrible Irish, you know, uh, that was not anywhere close, but I promise it won't do that. Um, but yeah, great white flounder, you know, it's just, he's, he's, he's got a great charm that is super comparable to Robert Shaw, blue, blue collar uh, charm as Quint in Jaws. You know, yeah. they're, 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 he's, he's trying, he is Quint. In that, but he's trying to, you know, Quint doesn't have a whole lot of dimensions, but he does have the Indianapolis scene, which is uh, a monologue, which is a great monologue. Um, so uh, they're both multifaceted to a degree, but Richard Harris, and we'll get into it. So let's just go. And so after we get the warning scene, then we get the incident. You know, we get the scene, as I like to call it. You know, it's just, this was the scene, and this was the scene when I first saw it. It blew my darn socks off. And this is a, what I a, a term people have used is it's a cinematic grenade. It's being thrown at the audience to explode the audience.
0: You almost don't. I mean, we're we're teasing we're teasing this so hard, but you almost don't even know what you're looking at. In my this is my first viewing. I knew that there was going to be a scene i don't think that's like a spoiler to go into a movie um i wasn't i I don't even remember if like this moment i saw it coming or not but when it did happen i it's so visually gross and shocking that i didn't even know exactly what i was looking i had to like think about it for the next you know 20 seconds to reprocess to make sure i knew what i just saw which was what
1: (laughs) and well let's break down this scene yes 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 and this this is a i'm totally happy to give trigger warnings here this is an intense scene and uh it's not just a graphic thing this is a intense scene on an emotional level and so basically nolan finds a whale and tries to kill it and he misses the whale first with the sh- harpoon shot, and it nicks the male whale's fin. And we see that. That's going to be the whale that hunts Nolan down for the rest of the movie, and it has the characteristic nick on the fin. Yeah, so th- which That's the first thing that happens. And then right after that, we get the screaming. And... All I can think about when I was watching it this time was the Free Willy screaming. I mean, the howling. I guess we'll call it the howling in, in um, Free Willy because they're pining for each other in Free Willy, but we're getting that same orca whining for each other when he's calling, Willie is calling to his parents. But here, now we're getting the nightmare version of it. And that sound, I mean, I just can hear it in my mind right now of the orcas screaming. And it is just so... Oh my God! Just hair-raising that sound. And so then he fires another shot. Um, Nolan does, and he he hits the female um, of the pod, and he 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 hits it hard enough that the female knows something is wrong. And you don't understand that this is all happening so fast. All you know is that um, the female is hurt. Yep. And then we get to what to me on the rewatch is probably the most shocking, most intense part. But on the first part, I didn't really understand yes, it. Yes,
0: that's kind of what I'm alluding to. is fact, you have to, you well, have to see I how it might, plays out. Well,
1: this yeah. might be... A, might, I'm not lying with yours exactly. Is We get the female trying to kill herself and ram herself into the propeller. And to me, that on the rewatch and just in general, the thought of an orca just trying to kill itself with a, a fish or a fisherman's ship yeah. with a man-made ship. It's just a, that's, sh- uh, I, I, it's, it's a hard thing to watch and it, it makes me think about so many different things and it is uh, intense and just really woke me up to what the heck is going on. What is going on? It alerted me into my flight fright response thing, you know um, what's going on. And um, so then after that, um, Nolan tries to get the thing out of its, his propeller and he hoists the female Mm. up onto the deck, um, which, uh, and you know, has stopped. There's the screaming has stopped by now. And now we're getting the second moment to me, which was extremely disturbing. Um, we get the orc, the female orca miscarrying and the, um, baby inside of her flopping on the deck and Nolan freaking out. And, um, immediately washing the yeah. um, baby off the deck and the freak out from Nolan is very understated, masterfully done and handled on the rewatch from Harris. He does not um, go too hard and it is extremely biting when we find out more about his character.
0: So there, yeah. this Sense is- Sense of a- shock.
1: I mean, yeah,
0: he's, he's in shock and, and yes. just can't take it, can't process yes. it. So get but it seeing, off of the deck.
1: And seeing the- female orca hanging there the gashes on her it's it's an intense level of uh it's not gore this is uh this is something else that's that's um a a a shocking sight that uh is really crazy um and it's really it's really hard to watch in some ways and it's also really gripping and exciting and you you feel weird at least i did about being uh, entertained in a perverse way by the scene of horror, um, but that's what horror movies do to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 crazy. And so after that, basically, we just know that uh, Nolan has just fucked up. Yep. <laughs> Nolan has crossed There's something. No There's no going. There's yep. no going back for Nolan, yep. and he um, is uh, now going to be hunted by this whale. And and that. To me, this movie is partly Death Wish, but this isn't what happens in Death Wish. To me, this movie is also a fantasy about what it would be like if somebody did the worst thing possible to your family, and then you just went on a rampage against that person, and you did everything you could to destroy everything that person stood for
0: you're describing the formula that's typically used for humans obviously like a human on a rampage we're right. used to seeing uh, an animal on the rampage for revenge is is pretty um novel i'm sure there's other examples but not as this not done in this like effective of a way that i can think of um but as far as the scene itself i mean what i was talking about is it all happened so quickly i mean the 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 you don't know whether the animal is attacking the boat. I mean, whether the whale that's been wounded is attacking the boat. Okay. Now it's going for the propeller. You don't know what its motivation is there. It's trying to kill itself. Like that's, that's not what, that's not what you would expect. Okay. It's being hoisted on the boat. It's wounded is something like, did it open its stomach to have the baby to try to like, let the, 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 fetus fall out like and somehow i mean like which is crazy but like all these things are like going through through my mind because it's happening so quick and i hadn't seen it and i didn't know you know progressively where it kept escalating to and then nolan's reaction to it is is so haunting and Everything is kind of fun and games for him, up to that point. Even though it shouldn't be, it's he's yeah. not taking it seriously at all. Right. And then the most horrific thing happens, and he still can't really uh, let on that he's taking it as seriously as he obviously is inside. Now he's like broken in a new way.
1: And in some ways, that's the moral of yeah. Orca: is Nolan is you know the archetypal ignorant man who treated the animals as inferior things and they are not. And because he did that, he will pay. Yeah. and there's no redemption for him which is very common in a lot of other movies where they get redeemed for their sin. no he yeah. he there is no redemption for nolan at all and that's really satisfying but i just want to say the lastly about this incident scene is for me the final part of the scene is what unfolded in my mind the realization i have after all of this has transpired quickly is why did she go for the propeller she went for the propeller to kill herself why did she why would she want to kill herself because she knew that she was going to die and, and the baby was going to die. And that right. that is just so darn sad. I mean, that's just horrifying and terrible and um, also just a really compelling part of a story that is going to play out. And so the um, scene immediately after is the funeral procession scene, is what I'm just calling it. And um, it's the... Uh, oh, because they lose
0: a crew member.
1: No, it's the male orca pushing the um, female orca that was killed onto the beach um, and then... um, Rampling reads poetry to the orca we don't hear the poetry but we see her doing it but it's just uh, really moving and it harkens back to and it mirrors it in an opposite way the ballet the orca ballet at the beginning with the uh, Ennio Morricone scene and this is kind of the opposite this is the funeral version and it's it's a really to me on the rewatch that was the scene that was almost more affecting just because I was uh aware of what was going to happen. Um, and I wasn't, uh, so caught off guard. Um, but then the aftermath and that they really give you time to process the death, um, was just really beautiful and just really, um, special. It was just a special moment that really stuck out. Um,
0: Yeah, I think that's that's all there is to say about that. So after
1: that, we get to the havoc we get to act two. And it's really creative the way the orca just cleverly destroys this whole thing. And, you know, it really starts with, uh, you know, the the fish. You know the, the the fishermen talk to Nolan and they're like, "You got to get rid of this whale because it's destroying our economy. It's destroying the fish, scaring away all the fish. Your yep. whale is ruining it." Um, and so it, the fish are gone. And then the boats. It starts with the boats, and then after that, um, I think it goes with the dock, and it yeah. blows up. You know, it, it gets it um, it knocks over a lantern that just explodes, fuel can, and the whole thing goes in that. And this is happening over the course of minutes. And that's another thing with Act Two is I just think it's. Really 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 well paced Um, and uh, the editor here there's three different editors um, and one of them is Ralph E. Winters who worked with Dino on uh, King Kong, but he's like an Academy Award-winning editor who I wasn't aware of. He also did The Outfit. He did Ben-Hur, King Solomon's Minds. He's a really great editor, and I don't know how much of a role he played in this. I kind of feel like maybe he was overseeing John Bloom and Marion Rothman, who are the other editors, um, just based on the... The depth of his um, experience, but I don't know. But the pacing of it is really atmospheric. It's really taking its time. It's a little slow, maybe. At sometimes, I don't know. You're reading on act two, but it's it's not trying to rush through it. We're dwelling in the revenge here. We're waiting to see what the orca's next strike is. You know, in a maybe Jaws-esque way, but it, it just it, it, you know we know it's gonna happen, sort of like Jaws. But
0: yeah, it's just it's it's interesting the the kind of restrictions that the or the orca is is waterbound um, Nolan could right his whole lifestyle is is fishing and, and boating but he is safely on shore <laughs> and could stay there and could leave you know like he basically he's linked to this animal in a way that is, you know, going to be both of their demise and he refuses to, um, his, his hubris or just his, his trauma refuses to let him like get out of the way and, and save, like he, 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 could have avoided, uh, like all the fishermen are, are mad at him. He just completely blows them off and then destroys and then lets their town to get destroyed. He is just becoming I don't know. I mean, he's becoming more and more unsympathetic, but also we're spending more time with him. So, uh, like any movie, you become attached to the characters, but all his actions are are um, are pretty pretty uh, terrible. I mean, pretty you know unsympathetic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of starts out with him going to the church, and he asks, "Can a man sin against an animal?" And he knows that he really screwed up, and he's trying to figure out how to make it better. Even though he kind of knows deep down himself that he can't make it better, and you know, we learn throughout the course of Act Two about Nolan's character, and that Nolan and that he, Anderson actually does a pretty good way of presenting this movie, uh, this information sort of subtly and not heavy-handed. He doesn't make a big, but we find out that Nolan's wife and child were killed by a drunk driver. And um, now Nolan has become that drunk driver. And so I think that on the rewatch, I'm seeing in Richard Harris that he kind of hates himself more than everybody else hates him. You know, the, the whale hates him. The town hates him. But none of those, they just hate him because they're, he, he screwed up. He, he, he hates himself more because he has lived through this pain, and then he was stupid enough to do it to somebody else, and he, he tries to apologize. I think that on the rewatch, the, time, the part where he takes the gun out to try to supposedly shoot the orca i think he he might be trying to kill himself Mm. and there's a lot of suicide you know we'll talk more about the motif of that in this movie but it's pretty dark in that way it it goes to a place that a a lot of movies don't go to with that and just um it's it's stark um uh, the way that that's presented in in kind of a astounding way um
0: yeah yeah and just to set up um the the third act and in his arc i think what is so uh, fascinating about this this movie is um we learn from uh charlotte rampling's character that like we do in all these movies the animal is not acting like they ever we've never seen them exhibit these kind of behaviors before and orca is um is not susceptible to the the weaknesses of, of a human and would not just succumb to impulses like revenge and so he is also dragging down the orca to his level i mean you know it wasn't his intent to to kill uh, the orca and her and her unborn uh, orca baby but like now he's drug this male orca down to human level and so it just makes us feel bad about our relationship <laughs> to
1: animals I on def- another level. I think that's an excellent point, and I'm definitely going to talk more about that yeah. at the end, the sure. very end. But um, – the only other thing that's to me just we got to mention in act two is that we get the introduction of Will Sampson's character, who is the wise Indian, giving him knowledge of a different kind about Orcus. And um, this is definitely another stock character from all these animal attack movies and is clearly an inspiration for Randolph in, right. or, in Free Willy. I mean, there's just no way it can't be. Um and this is kind of my main critique of, of uh, what's it called uh, Orca. The, the, really the only one that I have is, especially in the second act, is Samson's such a great actor. He did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest right before this, and he's so knowledgeable. There's good YouTube videos of him talking about film and also how Native American people are portrayed in film that are really fascinating. I just wish the script allowed for more, of this and this might go back to Arthur Herzog's original book. I don't know, um, where who who's to really point a finger at this, but um, Samson's character it, um, it, it's not that it's just a stocked character, but it, I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. There's just not as much nuance as the other ones, and it really drags the movie down because, like Jaws, Jaws is all about the triangle, it's all about Schneider. Robert Shaw-, Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss coming together on the boat at the end. And they have the same thing in the third act. It's the same symbol. These three are going on the boat. And Charlotte Rampling's justification for going on the boat is ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs> um, it's basically just, yeah, she's just gabbing and trying to make up a reason. But it's kind of, well, yeah, she maybe can't keep away. Basically. She hasn't seen
0: anything like this before. She yeah. almost wants to prove uh, her own assumptions that orcas are better than man and everything will be okay to some right. extent, or protect um, no one's character from his worst impulses. But right. neither of those things are <laughs> ultimately um, in the cards. But we, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that she is feels
1: a, too supporting. Unlike Richard Dreyfuss or Robert Shaw, you know, in Jaws, we get a little bit more character, and that's all I want is just a little bit more yeah. writing on Will Sampson's part because it's a wasted opportunity. So good in so many other movies and just, and and in this movie he brings a depth and it's great. He is the ultimate archetypal um, wise indigenous person spreading knowledge. And it's interesting also that archetype because it's, we're in the late seventies here, which is at after the big revisionist Western wave. And the big thing about revisionist Westerns where they were trying to portray native american people positively in majority of movies that portrayed native americans were westerns and before that in the 60s and 50s and 40s these westerns appreciated uh portrayed native american people terribly they were always negative i mean there's probably some exceptions but by and large it was a very negative representation and so in this situation, we're getting the 70s, which is the flip side of that, where it's kind of they have to be positive, they have to be all knowing, which now I, I think comes across as um, uh, stereotypical in a different way um, because we have decades of that character being used to. But I think in the context of the time, they were trying to um, Dino capitalize on the trend at the time, which was to reverse the common expectations. And he's doing that in a similar way with, um, King Kong in 1976, where he's giving an ecological spin an environmentalist spin to something that happened in the past. So he's, he's really, that's, that's where Will Sampson's character is, I think coming from, uh, uh, so I think that Will Sampson might have been excited to play this role because he saw it as an opportunity to do something different um, in film uh, than was happened in the previous decades. And that might not come across as much today. But at the same time, that, all that aside is it needs more depth. It, sure. needs, it needs something more. And it holds back not just that... Uh, Will Sampson. It holds back the entire movie for me. Um, it's
0: it, well. The know, other option off. would be to remove those characters altogether and really let it just focus on the 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 final act. Could just focus on Nolan in in the whales. You know, kind of like tragic conclusion. Like right. it. It that would almost make it cleaner, right, and simpler. And uh, it's not in my in my viewing like jaws hinges on the relation those unlikely that unlikely group of people coming together and, and forming a bond and that's why we're rooting for them um and they're
1: and, all giving a different tool they're yeah. giving a different skill sorry yeah. to the problem it could know? have been that and, and but like it
0: also like, could have been just yeah. just nolan versus the right. leo and that tragic and it, showdown but
1: there could have been really cool um interesting facet with the samson thing i just think it was a wasted opportunity and maybe it was the run you know it's only 92 minutes maybe they were trying to you know dino was very strict on that or something so that's just kind of my act two thing but just you know so then we get um bo Derek, and we haven't mentioned here much right. but yeah she's a great supporting role um in this but then we get so her leg gets broken in the first part um and um uh, we also get Robert Carradine. He's also in a uh, supporting role, you know, Lizzie McGuire's dad for some of our younger listeners maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, which also just leads me to one more aside that I love the way that the orca just kills people. It just eats them. Great. Just quick, quick. Kills. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and Robert Carradine no exception. So, and then, but um, Bo Derek gets her leg broken um, in, the, in the beginning of the movie. And then she's got a cast on it and there. So as it's escalating, it's wreaking havoc upon this town. Um, it finally just goes to Nolan's house, which is you know, coincidentally perched over the water, very accessible to a whale that they're just hanging out in. (laughs) Um, And so, and that's part of the charm of this movie. It's, it's setting itself up in a, in a way, but at the same time, it's going to these crazy places that no movies do uh, very rarely. So, but then we get this scene um, where um, they have this house being attacked um, and the stilts being ripped off from it. The posts of the house are being ripped out um and it kind of cascades into the water and bo Derek falls towards the whale and the whale bites off her leg and that's when nolan's like hey this is the last straw let's let's you wanted a fight you're getting a fight and this is gonna it's gonna be the showdown
0: yes and that was another moment that they're the people that were thirsty you know for kind of entertainment value of of these animal attacks yeah. movies that was a, a kind of a crowd-pleasing um attack scene because like you just said the kills and so much that there even are like uh, big kills they're right. they're not like create uh gratuitous or yeah creative or slasher kills they are rooted in um motivation and revenge <laughs> versus yeah. just cheap thrills
1: and also uh timing kind of like they're they're sort of paced in a way that just uh you know you're waiting you're waiting and then a quick <laughs> and you're dead i,
0: I chuck some of that up to production logistics yeah, and totally. working with you know um, limited uh, options for how they could you know how much they could show the animal when it wasn't just out in the open water so yeah,
1: yeah. so on the boat you know, one one line that really shook up the audience was when Rampling said to um, Richard Harris, like, after, um, I think it's, it's I forget who dies, it, it might be um, Robert Carradine, but he's all upset because somebody just got eaten by the whale, and she just goes, come, I'll warm you. And it just, the, the whole audience just erupted the first time, and it didn't really erupt as much. Everybody was a lot more serious the second time, but it was just a funny line that uh, Rampling character has. She has these kind of weird lines that stick out. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, not to
0: over-explain that moment, but they are. It, it does help like signal how the the climate is changing. They're going north into right. the ice caps, and and now we are kind of like transitioning into, um, you know, like a, a inhospitable terrain for humans, especially. <laughs>
1: Yep, and as they get to that, um, it was interesting that Richard Harris did all of his own stunt work. He insisted, and and I should also mention that he is just super uh, apparently abusing alcohol during this time he's very distraught personally i think his wife was having an affair so he's bringing a lot of weird energy to this performance and you can really see it on his face in this third act he's all weirdly screwed up and he's he's seeming like a shell of himself and, you, and this is where i those scenes of him uh, on the boat you know I, that's when i really i get that Herzog, you know right. like Gary, and also just that he is hating himself. He just wants the whale to kill him. Just come on, kill me, you know. And so he's following this whale, and we know he's going to get it. And it comes to this perfect pinnacle and a really great, satisfying death from Nolan. You know, the whale uses the tail. We didn't expect him to do that. He hasn't done that the whole movie.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, it's a. The boat is like freezing into the ice caps, but he exits the boat and maybe it was already sinking and there there was either a a route to like where you could go to kind of a larger you know um mountain safety area or like a sheet of ice so he's on the sheet of ice and it's just yeah it's kind of agonizing how um inevitable the the conclusion is um but and I so, think that
1: yeah. also speaks to the pacing, the editing. Like, there's a really good editor here at the helm of that, you know, arc, that 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 final pinnacle at the end. Um, and there's also Dino, I feel like, probably being like, let's keep it tight, 92 minutes. So this isn't like a two-hour drawing this thing out. This is a pretty... Um, simple crescendo that we're getting to. Um, and there's not a lot of beats here that are riling up the tension to like free Willy was, if we compare it to that. Yeah. Free Willy just has all these beats that are just making you squeeze your arm rests or something in a theater. Yeah. This is not, this is an atmosphere. This is a mood piece. This is kind of, it's again, we're all still kind of reeling from that crazy scene. Yeah. and We're dwelling in the consequences and, He's, you know, I I thought a little bit about Dante's Inferno, how the ninth circle of hell is cold, mm. and uh, I don't know, it just it felt like we were really descent. You know, you said descent into madness. I think um, it really felt like that. We're going down in, in, as we're going north. Um, we're going down into this 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 deep part. Um, and um,
0: well, and I mean, yeah, I I mean, what I what I hit on earlier, the um nolan's character bringing the, the whale there was a lot of different ways this movie could have ended there's three characters you know left um at the end it's it's nolan the whale and charlotte rampling's character and you kind of you know you know the only conclusion for nolan is is death but um you figured by some miracle you know she's gonna get airlifted out of there and you also kind of hold out hope that the whale might not be um, unredeemable you know, unsalvageable from um, all the uh, chaos and, and trauma that it's it's gone through, but that's what makes the ending <laughs> an extra layer yeah. Yeah. of tragic and resonant.
1: And that's when you get to really, so you wa- I watch. I watched it. You get the satisfaction of the of the tail flip. Um and the you know he's he's killed and you're like okay this is how this movie is ending yep. I was I thought he was gonna get it he was an asshole he totally deserved it it's really sad this is really tragic um, it feels kind of like the predictable conclusion the inevitable conclusion and you feel some satisfaction but at the same time. I'm expecting from a movie that's this I don't know I say smart but this thought provoking that there might be a trick up its sleeve and there is and that's when you get to I think what is the master stroke of the movie um, which is the very final shots of the movie are of the orca now after killing Nolan swimming underneath the ice and the ice looks beautiful and you're kind of like, Oh, okay. We're just getting sort of another cool whale montage. At first you're, you're not really understanding the significance and then it it goes on for a little longer and you're like, Oh shit. They, they breathe air with those blowhole, Uh, you know, he's under the ice and then you, it goes on for a little longer and you realize, Holy shit, this whale is killing himself. This, this whale, um, Hates himself just like Nolan hates himself. And it's this is like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where everybody dies. And it's right. like, holy shit, this is bleak. This is dark. <laughs> this is a set. This is a real 70s senseless death ending here um, that can only be done. You know, this is, you can't really make stuff like this anymore. It's just deeply crazy and deeply upsetting um, and uh, effective, you know? Uh,
0: absolutely. I mean, this is where the stark contrast. I mean, we drew some parallels to free Willie, right. But you leaving free Willy, knowing what you're in for, you know, after the end of Orca is agonizing for, yeah. you know, it's in the back of your mind the whole time you're watching free Willie. Cause that couldn't have a more uplifting ending. Absolutely. And then this is, is that we keep saying tragic for, um Nolan's character but the the whale is, I mean we just keep saying tragic but it applies equally obviously to to both characters they are yeah. linked after the incident in a way that neither of them can come back from and and it, this is another you kind of had had time to think uh, over multiple viewings of what was happening during the um the scene and you had also had time to you know think about the ending both in both cases for me it was i was going through the thought process you're describing of yeah is the whale the ship isn't going to make it back from the ice like you know right. no like logistically that ship is at its final destination but the whale can just swim <laughs> like right there's plenty of routes it could take back to safety and it chooses um a dead end under the ice and um
1: and just like yeah, it's his not partner it, yeah. chooses to ram, ram itself into the propeller. Yep. So, and I think to me those are the you know the there's some other you know uh, seeing the baby um, the uh, orca is is very shocking, but the two really harrowing instances to me are seeing those orcas choose to uh, commit suicide, and and that to me is a uh, a powerful thought provoking thing that I think. Is uh, intended to be another ecological environmentalist message from Dino De Laurentiis. That's that's one interpretation. It could just be just a good story and an intense experience. That's fine. But the way I'm really reading this is he's trying to capitalize on this trend and also maybe he has some substance behind it. But that's that's the heart of this movie is that that we're dealing with the story of a of a guy who underestimates the integrity of other life forms on this planet. And he is, uh, getting the consequences and the animals are getting the consequences as well. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Uh, let's, let's, let's let's wrap up with the little box office. And I have to say firstly, and this is a good little positive thing is this movie was super fun to promote. I love the artwork. I got an original one sheet poster for it to hang outside. That was beautiful. There's the painting over it. It's, it's very evocative of Moby Dick, which we haven't talked about it in this podcast at all, but that is another, I mean, John Houston's, I think it's 1956, uh, Moby Dick movie is also explicitly referenced and, uh, plays into both of these movies. And that's subject we could go on to in a whole nother podcast. Uh, but, uh, you should, if you're interested, just why, and you haven't seen that, please watch that movie. Orson Welles is fantastic, um, in it and, uh, Gregory Peck, fantastic in it. Um, but additionally, uh, so the posters, the artwork, uh, I also posted a picture of my Laserdisc. It's, it's a beautiful artwork on all of that. It's a great looking movie. The font of the movie, super fun. The trailer's great. Um, you know, it was just a really great movie to promote. You don't always get that. Um, so, at the box office, this movie didn't do stupendous and didn't do terrible. It did good. It huh. did it did noticeably good. Um, and I think Dino, you know, had just come off these mega successes with death wish and then King Kong. And he was hoping this would be just like Logan's run, another mega success. And so I think he considered it a little bit of a failure cause it wasn't a blockbuster. And especially when considering grizzly, which came out the year right before did fantastic numbers. Um, so I think he was a little disappointed. He wanted it to be at Halloween level or grizzly level, and it just wasn't. Um, but it did very good. Um, but it also was like many movies in 1977, just a few months away from the colossal you know, Titanic, which was star wars so star wars right. is famous for just anything after in 1977 didn't matter because it was such a crazy you know it's kind of like if you move released a movie you know the the week after barbie sure. no, no <laughs> one's gonna you know unless it's named oppenheimer you know i don't think you're gonna get a lot of people why so yeah um so yeah so it, it it didn't it didn't and that probably played into some part of that but this had a VHS and a Laserdisc and was on cable. And people who grew up in the 80s um, uh, know about it. This yep. is not an obscure movie for them. When I played this movie, that those are the people who were like, oh, you're doing Orca? I'm there. So there was an immediate connection to people. But in the 90s, that VHS was not around. Um, I bought the Laserdisc secondhand, um, and it was hard to find. Uh, it wasn't terribly expensive, but it, it's it was rare and it's rad. It has the same picture as the VHS cover, but it is one of my favorite looking laser discs. It is uh, really cool, um, and uh, so it didn't get. It got a really crappy DVD that didn't get widely circulated, and that's why I didn't really know about this movie. This was not in Blockbuster. This was not in Hollywood Video that I saw all the time or anything. Or I missed it. This was it. Really, the 90s was not very widely seen. Um, and then it really wasn't until 2020 when Scream factory put out the new Blu-ray, um, with, a uh, with a new restoration that looked really good. We watched that restoration at the theater. It looked great. It was really beautiful. Sounded great. Um, and that's it's really bec- getting a new life. And I feel like I'm trying to push that. It hasn't played in town since then. So I was really honored to get to play it for this summer. Um, but it's a really important film. And I think really connected with a lot of people. It did well at the theater. It was really, really a fun experience. Um, and I would just recommend if anybody can reissue the soundtrack. Um I've heard tell that the soundtrack was put out on in the CD in the nineties. I can't find it. Um, there's a little bit on YouTube, which maybe I can record or something in case that goes away. But, um, there's a Japanese pressing of the, of the soundtrack, super rare, super cool, super expensive. Um, yeah please somebody make the soundtrack complete more available it's amazing uh and if anybody else can just make a 4k special with more special features there's just a commentary on the screen factory this movie needs we you know i know charlotte rampling is a a fan of her work in this movie you know let's get interviews with her let's 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 do what we can to make this uh you know movie uh live because it's really a special one i mean
0: yeah it was a great introduction to the movie for me and i will you know be able to tell people about it and and also like i've got friends that like you're describing that grew up watching it probably on cable like they don't even remember if it was like a movie they loved or just a movie that was on but they Um, I have a feeling if they revisit it, they'll have a whole different appreciation for it. If all you have is like a foggy memory (laughs) from your childhood, I can't imagine, um, you know, 40 years, uh, 50 years later, what, how you would react to it.
1: That's all I got to say. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time with some September movies.